Hi, I'm Edwards Sree, and welcome to All Things Catholic, where real faith meets real life. What do you do when you're going through a rough period? When everything just seems a little bit off? Everything in your friendships, your family life, your your work, you feel like you're dropping balls, you're failing, or you're just feeling a lot of pressure, or maybe you're just feeling lonely, hurt, misunderstood, or just overwhelmed. You feel like you're, you're just not doing a good job as, as a mom or as a dad or as a Christian disciple. And, and most of all, you just don't feel close to God. You wonder, where is God in the midst of all this? Your prayer is dry. You go through the motions, you're doing Catholic things, but in the midst of this rough spot in life, you just don't sense God is there. This week, the Catholic Church celebrates the feast of a great saint, a doctor of the church, a great mystic. His name is St. John of the Cross. I don't know if you know, but St. John Paul II had a great devotion to John of the Cross. He wrote his doctoral dissertation on the writings of St. John of the Cross. And when he became Pope, he declared John of the Cross a doctor of the church, which is someone that's held up as a preeminent teacher for us and a great guide. Now, his writings are, are thick. They're often misunderstood, taken out of context, but they could be so helpful for us. If we really understood the spirituality of St. John of the Cross, it could help us shine some light in those times of darkness that we can experience in life, especially in the spiritual life. In fact, one of the things John of the Cross helps us to see is that in those periods where things just seem off, where things in our life, things in our relationships, things in our spiritual life are just not clicking like they normally do, and we feel like maybe God has abandoned us or we've separated ourselves from God. We're not close to him. John of the Cross reminds us that God actually might be closer than we realize. He may be coming very close to us, maybe even uncomfortably close to us. He's coming so close to us that we're starting to experience this darkness, kind of like the, the sun. If you were to look up in the sun and, and you, you stare at the sun, all of a sudden it, it gets darker, right? Your eyes can't see. The light of God might be shining in our souls in a more brilliant, powerful way as God draws closer to us, but we experience it as a kind of darkness, a kind of blindness, and we can't see the next step. How is this going to work out? What's going to happen in this situation? Where is my life going? But yet, if we pay attention and we follow the advice of this great saint, St. John of the Cross, we can learn to walk more by faith and not by our own sight, and experience God's healing power working in our soul at a deeper level. And that's what we're going to take a look at in this week's podcast. So welcome to All Things Catholic. I'm your host, Edward Sree, and so excited to get into John of the Cross. You know, his feast is this week, and it's always hard, I think, in the month of December. You know, we're busy, we're running around. I was telling Beth I was going to do John of the Cross, and I, I think I've shared before, my wife loves St. John of the Cross. Oh, she is just so passionate about John of the Cross and is so excited. But I, I said to her, you know, you know, December, are people going to want to get into John of the Cross? Everyone's busy, they're running around getting Christmas shopping done and getting ready for travel and finishing up end of the year projects. And are they going to be able to handle John of the Cross? And she said, you know, there's never a great time. You just have to get into it. <laughs> but we we did reflect on how December actually, it, it, his feast day is on December 14th each year. That's the day of his his birth into heaven, his the end of his earthly life. I think it, I think it does relate on two levels. I was thinking about, first of all, just on a, on a human level, we are at the end of the year, we're often we can also be a little more reflective 
thinking about our life, remembering the past, remembering beautiful memories in December and Christmas and being with family and friends. But it also could be a time of hard memories, pain, loss. It's a time we could be a little more reflective and we're wondering where is our life going? And I think John of the Cross can speak to us in this season. But I also think, if we think about the liturgical season, the liturgical season of Advent, and we think about this time of hope and expectation and we're, we're yearning. So remember the four weeks of Advent and those four candles that symbolize the four weeks of Advent, they're all there to remind us of the 4,000 years of biblical salvation history of Israel and humanity longing for the coming of the Messiah. And in the world, in darkness, in darkness without the, the, the light of the Messiah, we're waiting and we're longing, and then Christ comes, the light of the world. And, and so I, I think at this period here, we could be thinking about our own darkness, our own struggles. And I think a lot about John of the Cross in his own life. You may not know much about his details of, of what he went through in life, but his writings flow from an intense, intense experience of suffering in his own life. I mean, he had suffering from his own childhood. Many, many things happened uh, in his upbringing. But I want to share with you one dramatic scene that took place after he had already been starting the reform of the Carmelite order, working with Teresa of Avila, and they're, they're trying to bring the Carmelites back to their, their original, more austere practice of mortification, self-denial, and prayer and contemplation. And, and a lot of his fellow Carmelites resented his sincere and fervent love for Christ and the Carmelite way. They saw it as a critique of their own lukewarm faith. And so you know what happened? One night, in the middle of the night, they raided his house and they they arrested him. They took him away and they they locked him in a tiny room in a tower with very little light. And there, John of the Cross sat in darkness and solitary confinement for seven long months. Just imagine being locked in a tower for seven months. It was asphyxiating hot and in the summer, really cold in the winter. And there was physical torture. He was beaten. But maybe even worse was the psychological torture he endured. They, they would play games and, you know, outside his door and pr- pretend to have, that, he, that they were getting ready to take him away to be killed. They'd have these conversations and say, okay, well, yep, tomorrow will be the day. And so they were just always playing with his mind that the psychological torture he went through, he was close to death in that tower in that seventh month, and he eventually decided to make a dangerous escape. And he eventually, he unlocked the screws and uh, got out and you know, used the, the linens that he had, the, the few cloths that he had, and made a little rope out of them so he can go down this tower and climb on the outside and, and barely, you know, it fell. And it just, it's just a miracle that he survived. And he eventually found refuge in one of Teresa of Avila's convents nearby, and when he showed up there, the sisters saw him and were shocked by his appearance. They said he looked like a dead man. And they brought him to the chapel, and the sisters were singing. They sang a, a hymn that had these words. And I want you to listen to these words because they, they really impacted John of the Cross that day. Here are the words the sisters sang. Whoever knows nothing of pain knows nothing of love, for pains are the garments of love. 
So the, that was one of the lines in this hymn that the, the sisters were singing when he heard those lines. Whoever knows nothing of pain knows nothing of love, for pains are the garments of love. He motioned the sisters to stop singing. And then he, he held on to the, the rails there and, and then just broke down in tears and wept for one hour because he had endured so much suffering, so much pain in his own life. And to hear that line about pains are the garments of love. And he was seeing the connection between God's amazing love for him, that even in the midst of his suffering, God was there, God was present. He, he didn't know if he was ever going to get out alive. He didn't know if, if Teresa thought maybe John ran away and just abandoned the, the reform. Did, what, what would his friends think? He, he just had no idea what was going to happen. He was locked in that tower for seven months, not able to talk to a soul. And so, so worried about others and the reform that he had started, what would happen, worried for his own life, wondering if he was going to live the next day. And he finally was free. And he's looking back and he's seeing the hand of God in his life, sustaining him in that hour, or not hour, but actually seven months of intense physical darkness. But what the greatest darkness was in John wasn't the darkness of the tower, this tower that had only a tiny, tiny little window, just a couple inches wide. There was great physical darkness, but the greatest darkness was the darkness in his soul that John of the Cross didn't even sense the presence of God in those seven hard months. He went through a great interior darkness. And at that moment when he heard that line from the sisters, for pains are the garments of love, he just wept. That's the context, I think, for understanding John of the Cross and his writings. And I think it's, it's beautiful because it, it speaks to all of us who might experience periods of suffering, loneliness, darkness, abandonment, fear. The greatest darkness wasn't in his little cell in the tower. It was the darkness within his soul. Now, what does John of the Cross have to tell us, not just from his own experience, but his own writings? What does he say about what's happening when everything seems to be upside down in our lives, things aren't going well, we're experiencing struggles in multiple levels, especially in our spiritual life. So everything on the outside of our life seems to be just off. Everything just doesn't seem to be going well in our work, in our family life, in our friendships, in our uh, whatever we're doing, maybe ministry in the parish, uh, but most of all in our own spiritual life. Well, before I get into this next step, a really important step for John of the Cross's spirituality, I just want to just step back and consider just a couple other pieces of, of what he tells us about the spiritual life. He, he reminds us that our souls have deep caverns that are infinite because they're, they're made for the infinite one. The deepest desires on our, on our hearts is for God. And God wants to just fill our lives with, with his love. But the problem is we fill our heart with all these other things, he says. We fill our heart with all these attachments to, to money, to wealth, to comfort, to pleasure. Uh, we, we're too attached to what people think of us. We're too attached to praise. We're too attached to how we compare ourselves to other people. We're looking at, uh, am I a good Catholic? Or am I better than that Catholic? Am I, how am I doing with my family compared to other families? And where we can be comparing and we, we find, we want to find our security in, in our own effort, in our own success, in our own, even our own holiness. We try to think, okay, well, I've reached this level of holiness and I feel good about myself. And, and John of the Cross is reminding us, no, no, God wants to give us something so much better than your perfect holy hour. Oh, you prayed your holy hour really well. 
when you really paid attention at mass. Like, that's good. We should all do that, of course. We should strive for that. But in the end, God wants to give us a great gift, and that is the gift of himself. And when we cling on to our own plan, our own dream, our own sense of, you know, I find my identity in perfection. I, if I do everything perfect, I'll feel good about myself. I keep my house clean and I, my kids behave well. And I, then I, I feel good about myself when I do that. So, so when we, we're, we're clinging to these things that are of this world that we think will make us happy. Even though if I gave us, if I gave us all a quiz, you know, is money going to make you fully happy? You know, is pleasure going to make you fully happy? Is, you know, success going to make you fully happy? Is praise and getting a lot of people to applaud and give you pats on the back and likes on Instagram, is that going to make you happy? We'd all say no, 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 and no. We'd all get it right on the quiz. But we're so broken. We're fallen. We have original sin. And we gravitate toward these things to find our security to find our happiness, to find our identity. We all do this. And John of the Cross writes about this, that even really good, devout Christians, even Carmelite nuns and Carmelite brothers and fathers, <laughs> he writes to his own community, he says, like, we struggle with these things. So we're made for the infinite God. We have these deep caverns in our soul. That's the first point. The second thing is, but we fill ourselves up with all these other things. We, we, we try to find our happiness in them. Even though we may pray every day, we may go to mass every day, we take in good Catholic content, all this, like, right? but we still, we, we cling on to these things to find our happiness. And so what we need to do is try to detach ourselves from that. And so John the Cross has written a lot about self-denial, making sacrifices, the Catholic tradition of mortification, you know, which we, we're doing a little bit more this Advent season, right? In Advent, we all should be doing some kind of sacrifice to detach us from the good things of this world, not because they're bad, but because we'll be too attached to them. And then our hearts aren't open to receive something even greater than our favorite drink, our favorite food, pleasure, success, honor, praise, money, whatever. <laughs> we, want, we want God, ultimately. It's what we're made for. We're made for Jesus, but we get too attached to these things. We have to practice self-denial, sacrifice, mortification. We have to detach ourselves from those things. That's all. That's the part of the spiritual life, going all the way back to Jesus. Pick up your cross and follow me. If you want to be my disciple, that's what you have to do. Deny yourself, Jesus says. Deny yourself. Deny those superficial desires, those desires for the things of this world. Deny yourself that, not because they're bad, but so that you can have more space in your soul, space in your heart for something even better than your favorite glass of wine or your favorite dish or this promotion or this title or this recognition or this amount of money or this amount of pleasure. In other words, we want to be detached from that so that our hearts can receive what God wants to give. So that's the practices of self-denial, sacrifice, growing in detachment. That's the aesthetical life the Catholic Church describes it as. And John the Cross writes a lot about that. But here's the next thing, and this is the most important thing, this is what we're going to close with, is that no matter how much we try to purify ourselves and detach ourselves, no matter how much I try to give up my favorite sweets, my favorite drinks, no matter how much I try to detach myself from being too addicted to screens or to sports or to social media, no matter how much I try not to worry about what other people think about me, no matter how much I try not to find my identity in praise or honors or recognition or status, 
No matter how much I try not to compare myself to others, no matter how much I try not to find my security and my perfectionism and having everything the way I want, and I need to try really hard to get better at all those things, to be more detached. In the end, John of the Cross says we can't purify ourselves on our own. We can't. We have to try and try with all our heart, but in the end, God has to step in. So no matter how much we practice self-denial, no matter how many things we give up every Lent or every Advent or throughout the year, we're still going to have parts of us that cling to our own self-will. We're going to have our own sins and attachments that have very deep roots and aren't going to go away by our own power. And that, that's actually really humbling. To humbly admit, Jesus, I, I don't have it in me to completely change here. I don't have it in me to overcome this sin of patience, the lack of patience that I have, or the sin of lust that I struggle with. Or I don't have it in me to completely remove my pride. <laughs> I don't have it in me to not be anxious and, and, and to trust you perfectly. I, I, I want to trust you, Lord, and I'm trying, but I can't. Whatever that sin is that we have, we cannot free ourselves completely on our own. We need to try and do all we can. That's like tilling the soil for our interior life. But in the end, God has to take over. He has to step in. And God loves us so much that he wants to free us from those things. He wants to free us from our attachments to food, to drink, to sex. He wants to free us from our attachments to our perfectionism. Free us from our lack of trust in him and the anxiety that results from that. All these things, he wants to free us because he wants to give us something so much greater. He wants to give us himself. So God presses in, John of the Cross says to create more space in our hearts, space in our souls for him. How does he do this? When, when God comes very close to us, he, he might be using dryness in prayer, for example. There could be many reasons why our prayer is very arid, feels like I'm in the desert, feel like I'm not getting anything out of it. But one reason could be God is allowing us to experience dryness in prayer so that he can create a greater space in our hearts for him. So we may not feel his presence, but, but he, he's wanting to tap into the deeper desire on our heart, which is for him. It's not for the consolations we get in prayer, not for the feelings we get in prayer, not for the insights we get in prayer, the beautiful meditations we may have. And all those are, are really good when, when we receive those blessings in prayer. But God may be allowing us to go through a period of aridity, of great dryness in prayer and feeling like he's, he's not, it feels like he's not there, but he's actually closer to us than ever before because he wants to draw out a deeper desire. You know, I often hear Christians will talk about that. Oh, I had a great time in prayer. I went on a retreat or went on this conference and went to Adoration Chapel and it was amazing. And I did a holy hour and had this great time in prayer. And it's awesome when that happens. We praise God. We thank him for that. And God uses that to encourage us along the way but he may allow us to go through extended periods of darkness in prayer where we feel absolutely nothing. We feel like we're accomplishing nothing. We feel like it's not worth it. And we feel like we're bad. We're not even doing prayer well. We don't get anything out of it. And God may allow us to go through that darkness so that we come more in touch with the deeper desire on our heart, which is not for the consolation, not for the feelings not for the little insights we get, as good as those may be. We're made not for feelings and consolation. 
ultimately were made for God himself. And so when God comes very close to us, John of the Cross says, we experience his, his light shining. And as I mentioned at the beginning, it's like, like staring at the sun. It, we become blind. It, it becomes like darkness. But it doesn't mean God isn't there. He's actually closer to us now. Our hearts start to cry out, where are you, God? Are you still there? Why is this happening to me? Why is this thing going on in my marriage? Why is this happening with one of my kids? Why is this happening in this dating relationship I'm in and didn't work out? Why is my boss not understand? And people at my parish, things aren't going well there. And there's tension in these relationships. Why is that happening? And then I don't feel close to you in prayer. Where are you? And when our heart is crying out, this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to keep coming and his heart, have our hearts cry out to him. Where are you, Lord? We're coming more in tune with the infinite desires in our soul, which are not for peaceful relationships and insights and success and honor and consolations and prayer even. All those things are good. Again, God uses that and blesses it, encourages us, but he may withdraw those things in our lives so that we cry out to him all the more and learn to rely on him more. And we start letting go of our plans of what we want, we start letting go and we start trusting in more because we've been forced to let go. <laughs> Nothing's working in our life, in our relationships, in our prayer life. Nothing's working. And so in this humbled, dark state, our hands are more open to receive God himself. So if you're going through a prolonged period of darkness in prayer, in life in general, I want to encourage you with the words of John of the Cross. God may be very close to you, much closer than he's ever been before, so much closer than you may realize. He wants to help you let go of these things that you may be clinging on to, that you, you know you need to let go and you've tried to let go and you have let go to a certain extent, but you can't let go enough. And, he, and, and he's withdrawing these pleasures in life and delights in prayer to help you turn to the one who can satisfy, the only one, because none of those things will satisfy the deepest desires on the caverns of your soul. And so I want to encourage you in these times with the words of John of the Cross, or his encouragement is to persevere in prayer. Don't ever stop praying in these periods of darkness. Keep going to him in prayer and cry out to him. So don't just show up for prayer, actually cry out to him, say, Lord, where are you? Lord, why is this happening to me? Pour out your heart to him in your suffering, in your darkness, and then beg him, beg him to help you surrender in the darkness and to trust him. There's a, a wonderful quote. I quote it all the time. It's from, I, I have it in, for those of you that have my book on prayer, uh, my When You Pray book, I'm going to get you the page number here. Hold on. Yeah, it's page number 56. It's in the chapter eight of the book called A Lover's Game. And it's about God's love. It feels like he's not there, but he's actually closer. And this is a quote from St. Faustina. And the quote's on page 56. We'll put it in the show notes too. Here's the quote. St. Faustina once said, one act of trust in such moments gives greater glory to God than whole hours passed in prayer filled with consolations. Isn't that beautiful? I quoted this, I think, this summer uh, on one of the episodes. I'm going to say it again. One act of trust at such moments, these moments of darkness, moments of aridity, moments when everything just seems to be going wrong in life, to trust that God is there in that moment gives greater glory to God 
than whole hours passed in prayer filled with consolations. My brothers and sisters, we're not made for consolations. We're not made for feelings in prayer. We're not made for honor, success, praises of this world. None of those are bad things. But if we're too attached to them, they get in the way. And John of the Cross reminds us that his love, his light pierces through all of those attachments. Through those, the darkness in prayer and through the suffering that we may experience, God is opening our hearts to be more receptive to him. He's the only one that truly satisfies. Thanks so much for listening. Please pray for me and I'll continue to pray for you in our walk in Advent. St. John of the Cross, pray for us.